I've been watching The Last Dance recently, so I'm in like a 90s oh, basketball dude. mood. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah, it makes me want to wake up every morning and say, Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> let's get ready to rumble! <laughs> Alongside me is our expert in residence, Asad Asan. How's it going? Good, man. I'm ready. I got I got all the dra- draft news for you. I just want to note to the listeners that today's episode will be uh, in French. So if you don't have any problems with that, let's go ahead and let's go and get rolling. Donc, Clévon Chesson. Lénaud Fournette. Fournette, oui, oui. La Visca Chenot. La Visca Chenot. Ah oui, Joe Chaubert, en fait. DJ Shark. Shark, bon, oui, Shark est excellent. Shark. Gardner Menchu. In case you haven't heard, the Jaguars today signed former Cincinnati Bengals quarterback. Andy, just kidding, just kidding. The Jaguars did, however, hire Cam Newton, not to play quarterback. Is that one true? But to design their new Jaguar skin color rush jerseys. <laughs> that that one, that one I, ho- I wish it was true. Um, but we do have some real Jaguars news. Telvin Smith was arrested this week for sexual activity with minors, multiple minors. This was a news story that broke during the day a few days ago. How do you feel about this? Uh, on Twitter, some people were apologizing for comments that they had made. Someone came in and said, why are you apologizing for making fun of a pedophile? I don't know, man. I <laughs> Maybe it's my deep Jaguars uh, bias, but I kind of feel bad for him right now, right? Isn't the whole thing like uh, innocent until proven guilty? So they say, right? I feel bad for him, too, because people like to jump to conclusions when they hear a story like this, don't they? And we don't know exactly what happened. Who knows? Maybe it was an innocent mistake. But like you were saying earlier when we were talking, you're like, oh, when I heard the multiple part, you started to not feel as bad for him. Telvin Smith is a famous person in the Jacksonville area, a wealthy person that any anyone approaching him would already know that. And so theoretically, someone who, let's say they're under 18, could approach Telvin and never mention their age and act uh, a little bit older. And in this case, uh, I feel like, you know, Telvin's being presented in an, in an unfair way. But then when you see the word multiple <laughs> minors in the and the news story, uh, <laughs> it looks like a patternistic behavior. So all in all, a really sad situation. This probably happens a lot around the league, don't you think, though, with other players? Maybe it's not, maybe they're not caught, I guess. But this has to happen, like, a lot. It, with, like, tons of athletes. Yeah, well, and you country. also wonder to what extent something like this was affecting Telvin when he decided not to come back and play. Oh, God. Uh, last I didn't season. think about that. Oh, no. Maybe this was related. But here I am 
just adding to the negative hype around the story. So I should probably <laughs> yeah. shut up. All right. Um, so let's shut up and talk about some other uh, uplifting topic. The Tony uh, Khan, Yannick Ngakwe uh, saga. Um, I say saga. It was really just one day of exchange tweets. Yes. But uh, one thing that interests me with Yannick's story is that the draft has kind of drowned out our talk about Yannick. Um, we see people putting together mock rosters and salivating over the the 40s club, which is our, our linebackers now. Um, looks like the Jaguars may be playing a 3-4 in the upcoming season, which will take place in 2024 <laughs> after the COVID-19 <laughs> lockdown. And and Yannick is not a part of those jock, draft. Sorry. Jock, jock draft? Wow. Well, the, the jock, jock strap roster. Yannick <laughs> is not part of the drawn-up rosters that people are predicting. We've got uh, Chason. We have Chason on one side, Josh Allen on the other, um, and there's no Yannick. So uh, the way that the Jaguars' leadership, as in Dave Caldwell is talking about it, is that he didn't get any serious offers for Yannick. And at this point, they're I don't know if they're just trying to like uh, increase their leverage against Yannick, but... They're kind of painting the story like there's, you know what, he's not going to get any any decent trade offers, and there's definitely no one that's going to pick up his requested salary to exceed Demarcus Lawrence and be the highest paid, you know, edge rusher in the NFL by a long shot. Uh, Jadavion Clowney's already taken his requested amount down from the what is it around that twenty one million dollars down to like seventeen. You know, we saw Dante Fowler got signed by the. Falcons is like a basically like a paid internship, <laughs> so Gakwe uh, doesn't have have a lot of options financially. It looks like, but I'm curious as to your take on this. A lot of people aren't like including Yannick because it's kind of like a, a fuck you to Yannick in a way, you know, like oh well we have Caleb on now so that you can like hop on someone else's back and you have you know, someone else you can support now, mm-hmm. you know, because he was supposed to be probably the second best pass rusher in the in the draft. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, let's just hop on this guy's bandwagon. Mm-hmm. It's a new guy. We don't even need Yannick anymore. We got Kayla Vaughn and we have Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. So Yannick, he's going to start disappearing. I think people are going to stop, like, hop off his nuts, as they say. As they say. Which is nice. Which is nice. Because I've been off his nuts for a while. I don't know if you have because, you know, I know you're a huge Yannick supporter. So um, In this case, uh, you're not kidding. I do. It is the one jersey I own at the moment. <laughs> um, let's move on to some other drama. Got the Jordan Love pick in the first round by the Packers. And so what's the story with that? There's something going on there. Someone wrote an article saying Matt LaFleur saying this, which I actually really don't know the full story. It's just really odd because we know how Aaron Rodgers is personality-wise or how we see him at least. You know, he's maybe kind of selfish. Some say he only cares about himself when it, he's not he's not a team guy, he's not a leader, right? And he made it like he heard that he wanted like playmakers. Cuz he says we never draft playmakers. We never draft help for me. We're just drafting everything else like f- me, right so it's a real slap in the face that not only did they not draft a playmaker they drafted another quarterback to maybe take his spot eventually and we know he's not gonna like go out and like mentor this guy right <laughs> i don't i don't think Aaron Rodgers is that kind of guy so i feel bad for him but i don't i don't think he's gonna get traded to be honest i think he'll stay a packer for life honestly there's that story that aaron Rodgers has only thrown one touchdown in his entire career to a receiver 
drafted in the first round. Blake Bortles has thrown eight, but I can't. I'm trying to remember who who was that first round draft pick that Aaron Rodgers threw a Former touchdown Jaguar to. Jaguar, maybe. Oh, Mercedes Lewis, tight end. You would never guess. And that was recent. Yeah, I think it was like yeah, a couple years ago. That was recent. His first year, maybe that Mercedes was in Green Bay. Yeah. Which is weird because Mercedes is old and he's pretty washed up. So I would just count that as zero, really, for him. <laughs> uh, moving on to another quarterback topic, we've got Jameis Winston going to the Saints. He's on a super cheap deal. I think he's making like. 17 to 18 dollars an hour yeah, talk about paid internship health insurance for sure um how do you feel about uh the saints picking up winston i do not like the saints but i do like Jameis winston and he's gonna be the, like the third string quarterback there with Taysom hill really um i guess he's just gonna sit there and be a backup i think that's gonna be a good life for him it's gonna be good for him i like Jameis. he he lifts me up he makes me feel good you know he's like licking his fingers he's saying stupid shit he's stealing crab or whatever he was stealing back in college he's throwing interceptions he takes his chances i'm a big Jameis winston fan I think it's a good fit for him, and I think he's doing the right thing, not like holding out and saying, hey, like, you know, like what Cam Newton's doing. Hey, I need to be a starter somewhere. And that's pretty much the reason Cam Newton hasn't been picked up. Maybe one, because of drama, two, because he's going to demand, you know, a starting position. So Jameis, I think he did the right thing. And who's the one more quarterback, obviously, Andy Dalton. Who knows what will happen with him, but he'll probably take the same route and end up, you know, being a backup somewhere. When it's your time... It's your time. And you gotta get you have to get on the team, right? Like that's the first step. Can't do shit when you're not playing, when you're not on a team. All right. Uh, another one, C D Lamb receiver went to the Cowboys in the first round and they were really excited about it. So excited they've already offered him number eighty eight, the prestigious Cowboys franchise receiver number. People asked Des Bryant, who last held 88, how he felt about it. How did he respond? What did he say on Twitter? He said, you, you write your own story or some shit along those lines. You know, like, take the number, but you be you. And also, I don't think he was offered the number, really. <laughs> I think he chose number 10, and Jerry Jones said, F no, you're wearing number 88. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, uh, Jerry Jones, like, I, I don't know if he, like, forced him, but he pushed him into it. He basically said, I want you to wear 88. Wow. Which is kind of weird. I saw someone respond and say, hey, you know, he they should, why are they asking Des? They should, they should ask the original 88, right? And you're thinking Michael Irvin. Right. Nope, Drew Pearson. <laughs> yeah, by, before, before uh, Michael Irvin, there was another prestigious Cowboys 88, Drew Pearson, who caught the famous... Hail Mary pass from Roger Staubach, the OG Hail Mary. Wow. That's, an, that's a nice little nugget there. I hope I'm right. <laughs> well, you mentioned the numbers thing, and I've heard this discussed a little bit uh, recently. There's a really cool article that ESPN published last year in which they conducted kind of a kind of like <laughs> almost like an academic survey or a poll of wide receivers as to why they've transitioned largely to numbers in the teens. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Chenault's going to be wearing 10. Yes, he will be wearing 10. Yeah. And then uh, what about Colin Johnson? Uh, I think he's wearing 19. Chuck 17. Conley was 18. And then right. Johnson okay. will be 19. And Westbrook's 12. Westbrook's irrelevant. What? <laughs> We've moved on. So the way that the, the receivers responded in that article was saying that they felt that they had a faster demeanor because of the numbers in the teens. It's a sleeker, visually speaking, sleeker numbers that make you look thinner and lighter than wearing 88 for example is this a real thing or are you just making it's shit a up? real article no this way is a real deal and that apparently Keyshawn johnson was was the the forerunner for this apparently 
Um, he was 19, I believe. Yes, he was 19. It sounds right. Yeah, he was 19. I think he had worn that in college, maybe, because college has had like a, a much more lackadaisical approach to numbers than the NFL. Well, you can wear whatever you want. You can wear number 100 <laughs> if you want in college. And so Keyshawn came into the league and he wanted to wear that 19. The only way that he would be allowed to wear it is if the team that drafted him had already filled all the 80s then he could theoretically pick a number in the teens. He had got permission either from the NFL or from the team to do it that way. And so he actually was drafted and then waited for all the players to choose their numbers before claiming Ah. that 19. Damn, you you got some good information today, some shit I've never even heard of. (laughs) That's actually interesting. (laughs) I mean, a lot of receivers nowadays are wearing these numbers in the, the 10, 10 through 19 range or whatever. Now that I think about it, a lot yeah. of them are, right? Let's talk Dolphins. Um, I'm watching the Dolphins during the draft, uh, looking into everyone's living rooms and basement bars and floor-to-ceiling windowed courtyards and yachts. And the Dolphins uh, were this odd mix of like a family affair. The kids are there, but they were they were pretty serious. I mean, I feel like they... Maybe unlike the Jaguars, they, they realized uh, the gravity of all these picks they had. Um, how do you respond to the Dolphins' draft? I mean, they started with Tua. They also wound up trading uh, midway. I think, was it the third round for Matt Breida from the 49ers? I mean, they got their quarterback, right? Who, If someone would have told you that Tua would have dropped, what, when did they draft? Seven or some shit? Anyways, wherever it was, if someone would have told you that he was going to drop to there you'd be like oh shit like really so really they got a steal if it all pans out uh they then they got a lineman after they were pretty decent last year so this year coming in they have like a win now mindset that's what i was telling you about the rebuilding thing like what was their rebuild it's been a couple years but they're ready to go you know they're ready to get this thing going and make a push especially with that division you know tom brady's gone Sam Darnold's young, and then Josh Allen's young. So it's a bunch of young quarterbacks anyways to begin with. And Tua might be the best quarterback in that division, right? Right off top. They wound up picking Tua as number five overall pick. And five. the funny thing is okay. they, despite not like perfectly tanking, they, they tanked at tanking. They failed at tanking. They still got that person they were theoretically tanking for. Really quickly before we talk about the Jaguars, We've got our division rivals. Uh, who do you think did the best? We've got the Colts, Texans, and Titans in the mix. Indianapolis didn't even have a first-round pick. And I was thinking they would go towards like maybe Jordan Love early in the second, but obviously he was gone. They ended up getting um, Michael Pittman Jr., the wide receiver from USC. Excellent Wonderlick score since I pay attention to those now, <laughs> which was actually really good for us. I, I wanted him for the Jaguars. But Chenault was still there, so it all kind of worked out. Nice. And then I believe they traded back and they hopped back in and got Jonathan Taylor, the running back from Wisconsin, which we've all heard about. He was just excellent the last two years. He was just running berserk over everyone. All they did was run the damn ball. So he was supposed to be one of the better running backs in the draft, top three. So those guys are ready to go. They've been drafting running backs the last few years. You know, they got Hines. They had Jordan Wilkins. And they've had Marlon Mack, and I'm a huge Marlon Mack fan. I think he's excellent. So I thought it was kind of weird that they picked Jonathan Taylor, but they're going to have a nice one-two punch with Mack and Jonathan Taylor. 
And if our run defense does not improve, like if, if it is like last year, that is not good. Because we saw what Mac did to us last year. Good God. So so the Colts, by and large, had the the best draft out of our AFC South rivals. Yeah, if you're excluding the Jaguars, of course. <laughs> Let's talk Jaguars draft then. Let's do it. The Jaguars have been emphasizing, Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell, that they drafted good character guys. And this is a clear departure from the drama that's been associated with our high swagger defense over the last few years so we've got a bunch of boy scouts now um (laughs) apparently a lot of people are getting excited for our defense again and it's kind of funny uh we haven't talked about todd wash in a while guys on the freaking radar right now this is it for him right we added good players and we drafted defense like we've been doing so this is this has got to be the last chance i had no more excuses last chance you think so but that's what we said a couple years ago (laughs) so draft recap Here's the way I see it. A lot of people were not too hyped up about first round. Right. You and I both felt this odd sense of letdown with the C.J. Henderson pick. And the funny thing is, this guy's an awesome player. <laughs> we were just so obsessed with our all these mock drafts that have predicted that somehow maybe we trade up for Jeff Okuda. Maybe Derek Brown falls to us. That we had been anticipating like the best person at whatever position it was uh, at that pick. When we drafted uh, Caleb Vaughn Ch- Chase on the uh, linebacker, edge rusher with the pick number 20. I had to go look him up, watch some highlights. And it wasn't until round two the next day when I proverbially lost my shit hey. uh, when we drafted LaVisca Chenault, who is a wide receiver here at the University of Colorado Boulder. It's kind of weird. Actually, this pick was spoiled for me before, before I watched um, Goodell announce it on the screen. I think that would have been awesome to not know that we had picked him and watch it live. Who spoiled it? But, uh, so, so he actually lives like right across... From my, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so no, I, I saw on Twitter uh, someone had had already like leaked the pick. I don't know how that happened. It must be a TV delay. I was watching live, live, live. So I'm guessing there's like enough of a delay, like a seconds delay, that I was just on Twitter scrolling, whatever, and I saw that they picked Lavisca. I'm like, oh hell no, there's no way. And then and then it happened a few seconds later uh, on TV. Personally, I am super excited. Uh, he's one of the players that has boggled me for the last two years. So when I arrived at Colorado last year, uh, I'm meaning 2018, I guess, so the last academic year, uh, they have an annual season opener against Colorado State. And this one um, takes place in the Denver Broncos Stadium. So it's my first time in the in that stadium, Mile High Stadium or whatever they call Sports it. Authority <laughs> or Power Field. Or... This guy went, went crazy that day. Crazy, insane. His level of talent was different it was above everyone on that field and i asked myself man i was like how why is it that i'm watching this amazing talent here and i've never heard of him before and i'm, I'm just assuming this is some pac-12 like local talent that isn't going to make it big that maybe because he's not playing sec he's a nobody and uh and so i'm just biased because i live here and go to the games but to see the Jaguars pick him up, and then now, of course, everybody's, I don't say they're backpedaling, but Dave Caldwell saying, oh, well, last year we had him rated as a top 15, you know, first round pick, top receiver, of the would have been top receiver of the draft. 
I, I buy it. I believe it. I think a lot of people are going to be pleasantly surprised. It, it's a real thing, though, what you're saying. Even uh, the previous year, he had a crazy good year. Obviously, this one, a little plagued with injury. CU was very disappointing. But this guy, he's a, he's a real talent, man. He kind of kind of got overshadowed last year. Not not this last year, but the year before by Nikhil Harry and J.J. Orsega-Whiteside, the Stanford receiver. And then Nikhil Harry from Arizona State. So two Pac-12 receivers kind of overshadowed him a little bit. But if you were if you're on the West Coast or if you watch Pac-12 football, you knew about this guy. You knew how good he was. And he was supposed to be one of the top receivers. So like people predicted coming into this year, like this guy was gonna be up there, maybe like a top 20 pick overall. So I'm super excited. He's not like originally from Colorado, but he went to CU, which is super cool. People know about him on Denver radio. You know, they were talking about him, which is cool. They also mentioned how his career is kind of ruined now because he's a Jaguar. So they can f*** off about that. But I'm super excited about Chenault, man. It's hard not to be excited about him. I think everyone is kind of excited about him. See what he's got. I don't know how much he's going to play his first year, which is kind of worrying me. I hope he like starts, but I don't know if he's going to start opposite to DJ Chark day one. Another thing that's interesting, if you want to call it like the psychology of the draft, is how we react to certain picks and then we start to either warm up or cool off about them <laughs> uh, in the days following the draft. And um, so to kind of move back up our chart, I mean, I was saying right like right after the draft, um, my opinion was that if if you had bumped everyone down a pick. So if we had taken Henderson at 20, Chason in the second round, Ch- Chenault with a next pick, this would have been some genius draft. Right. right. You would have been like, whoa, how do they pull it off? But for some reason, C.J. Henderson pick, psychologically, man, it's like looming on my mind as, what? Like, did we did we really draft best player available? We had so We talked about this before. We had so many needs across the team. Did we draft best player available at that pick? Jerry Judy, of course, is the mm-hmm. the person I was expecting we'd, we'd pick at receiver. Like this team needs, we mentioned Michael Irvin earlier. <laughs> this team needs playmakers and it needs people that are going to have a lasting impact on the franchise no matter what. It needs that burst of energy. If we can pick at any position, why not go for best player on the board? Since then, I've kind of warmed up to it. Uh, one of the things that they uh, have been talking about with Henderson is that Juwan Taylor, who also went to Florida, oh, God. had been pushing for the Jaguars to, to pick him up. So he was kind of like vouching for him. Doug Marone said, uh, uh, Juwan, I'm trying to try my Doug Marone accent. It's going to be really total shit. Juwan Taylor? No, nah, that's nah, total that's shit. That's not in it. It's not it. You know CJ. Oh, no, this is nah. terrible. Nope. No, nah, it's really bad. Uh, I gotta, I gotta like, have like short, short, shorter breath here, you know. Yeah, kinda... add the, the New York accent to a little bit. New you York, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a big thing for me. I don't know. <laughs> I can't speak for scouts, coaches, or anything else. Their relationship, and they had been teammates. <laughs> and what type of teammate CJ is? It, it was great to hear from Juwan. Oh God, that was that was Doug Marone himself. <laughs> Good try, though. Good try. Are you warming up to our picks? Yes, I am. It took me all but probably six hours to warm up because I was pretty pissed about the CJ Henderson pick. And then later that night, I'm like, it's like one a.m. I think I was like texting you. I had a few drinks earlier in the evening, and I was spitting all these texts to you. But I started watching highlights and stuff of CJ Henderson. I was I was fairly impressed. And then you read what, you know, those analysts say and scouts say about him, like, oh, sometimes he doesn't give effort, sometimes he doesn't tackle, but 
He's a really good co- cover corner. He gets his head around so he can find the ball. And from the highlights I saw, it looked pretty good. But my theory on highlights, you know, is they're highlights. So it's all the good that he was doing. So I try. I watched like a full like highlight of him against LSU last year. And as we know, you know, LSU had Joe Burrow, number one pick. And they had, uh, what is the receiver's name? Jefferson, is that his name? Justin Jefferson? Anyways, yeah, the guy that, that got drafted early on in the draft too. So he was on him and he was on Jamar Chase, who is projected to be maybe the second pick of the draft I saw next year. Yeah. Just an outstanding receiver. And when he was on Chase, he did... A really really good job like it was pretty much lockups he did allow a touchdown it was on like a quick slant uh in the red zone but it was really good coverage couldn't do much and then he got beat on like a rub route which wasn't necessarily his fault but he played really well and it's reassuring to see him play well against a guy who was the number one pick the heisman trophy winner they won a national championship and then these two receivers who are big names that are could be big in the NFL too, especially Chase. Like next year, if he takes off, he's going to be a top five pick. So it was reassuring. made me feel good. He seems like a good guy. I've hopped on the bandwagon. It's just, it's easy to, at first, to be like, oh, f- this pick, you know, especially when you heard, heard like rumors of us trading up to three or whatever, because I was like, oh shit, are we going to get Jeff Okuda? But you know, it happened. We got CJ Henderson and... Now nah, you support him. If you watch Jeff Akuda, the way he even runs, he's eccentric. The way he the way he talks is like super serious. Yes, he's crazy. Uh, he's he's in he's a I don't want to call him an odd personality, but he's a unique personality. And to be honest, that reminds me a bit of of uh, Jalen Ramsey. Um, although Akuda hopefully quotes less Bible verses to oh justify his uh, ego, but um. Anyway, I had written the Ozone uh, before the draft. I said, you know, it, so- it sounds like many would like to draft the Ohio State cornerback, Jeff Okuda, with the first pick. Um, and and I, I basically pointed out that, like, the Jags' league-wide reputation in the last several years had been built on Jalen Ramsey. I mean, there was not a single player that both outperformed Ramsey uh, and – but the odd thing with cornerback, it's not just, it's not just like, stats performances. It's kind of like – Ego is a part of it, and the intimidating intimidation factor, his trash talking, um, I would say, launched him to notoriety around the league in a way that that the Jaguars' identity was kind of, you know, wrapped wrapped uh, wrapped with that. So I said it looked like you know a, you know dedicated, talented cornerback around which to rebuild our backfield, uh, defensive backfield over the next few years would be both wise but also like familiar territory for the Jags. It would kind of be like a nice transition into the, the new era, if we can call it that. So I asked, you know, do you think the front office shares a sentiment and would they, dra- they, would they move up to grab him? And, and uh, John Osher said, he said, I would think the Jaguars would be very tempted to select Okuda if he is available at number nine overall. I would be surprised if they traded up for number nine for a player other than a quarterback. Okay. This, this is because I think they value the selections they have and won't want to give up the quality later selections it might take to move up in the first round. With all the talk about Okuda, somehow we had just drowned out Henderson. And the Jaguars come out and say later that, oh, look, you know, 40% of the teams in the NFL had rated Henderson above Okuda. Do you buy that? Uh, I do not buy that. I mean, Okuda was the straight-up number one corner, right? He was a guy I wanted. You never know 
what these guys are until they play. So it's like, it's kind of dumb to just jump to a conclusion based on where they were drafted or this and that, you know? You never know what these prospects will turn into. Who knew Yannick was going to turn into an elite pass rusher when we drafted him? Who knew A-Rob was going to turn into a star receiver? Who knew f***ing D.D. Westbrook was not going to be very good? You just never know until you actually play, take reps in the NFL. Like, I don't know what Chenault's going to be. I don't know what Calevon's going to be. I don't know what you're talking about, about D.D. Westbrook not being any good. I do like D.D. Westbrook, but now that Marquise Lee's gone, I need another receiver to pick on. <laughs> so I think I think D.D. has oh, taken Keelan Cole place. is your clear choice for that. I love Keelan Cole, though, so I can't oh pick on that. <laughs> big fan, big fan. Oh, he, he wears 84. He's like, he's still back in the 90s. Man. I can't get over that that catch he had against the Patriots. I'd like to ask, uh, any, any other favorite picks that stand out? I don't even know if this guy's going to even be on the roster when the season starts. Colin Johnson. Oh, yeah. That's another person to pick on. <laughs> Dude, I like him. I started watching his what? stuff. Yeah. yeah. He, had a, he had a pretty bad season last year. Duvernay, which was his um, counterpart over there on the other side, had a crazy season for Texas. And if you do watch college football, Texas has Sam, Sam Ellinger, who's going to be one of the top quarterbacks next year in the draft. But this guy's big, man. This guy's like 6'5". He's huge. He's not super fast. It's funny because when I was reading like the little draft analysis shit on him, they're like, you know, Colin Johnson, he he's a big guy and stuff, but he kind of gets bullied at the line for a big guy and he doesn't like win jump balls. But then I heard like Lewis Riddick say, oh, this guy's a monster. He's so big. He's going to fly over people and catch these jump balls. I saw him more as like a possession receiver, but I love big, tall receivers like this. And I think he can make an actual difference like on the outside with Chark. That's that's my crazy prediction that he's going to end up starting and have a role with the Jaguars. I feel like we're we're in the territory of our uh, ex-QB receiver crowd, the Matt Joneses and the Terrell Priors <laughs> right here. <laughs> just getting all hyped about someone's size and fantasizing about their matchups and stuff. And just like you said, I mean, we don't know, right? We don't know until we see some NFL reps as to how this player is going to exactly. turn yeah. out. Wow, you're you're not on board with him, are you? Yeah, but I'm I'm hooking horns, man. I'm hooking <laughs> horns. What, what can I say? I miss Allen Robinson, and I miss a jump ball receiver. I think that's what it is, honestly. That's true. That's true. And when we sign a Rob next year after his contract ends, you'll hey. you'll be happy. We could spend time talking about Ben Barch's uh, smoothie routine, about uh, Devon Hamilton being drafted as a nose tackle. Good player. We got Shaq Quarterman, another quality character. Uh, I don't know. Jake Luton, is he going to be our next uh, round six QB sensation? We got two franchise QBs drafted in the sixth round, duking it out for a starting position. <laughs> uh, <laughs> any any other story, any stories attract you out of this? No, yeah. because I, I like to wait. Even with Colin Johnson, I want to kind of wait and see who gets cut, who's going to be on the practice squad, who's actually going to play, you know. So I don't I don't like to speculate on these kinds of things yet. I think it's too early. I will say my favorite reaction to being drafted was Chris Claybrooks, who was our final pick, um, round seven, and was watching with his family and just went went crazy, like ran outside the door and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did see yeah. that. It was that was kind of cool. It was kind of cool how I was at their homes and they were with their family. It was, it was different. You couldn't tell if it was like random strangers driving by or people that knew him. They were slowing down the street when they saw everyone running around. 
And he started screaming, Jacksonville Jaguar, Jacksonville Jaguar. I was like, whoa, that's cool. Of course, he had to, before he ran outside the door, he passed by a, a Tennessee Titans jersey on the wall. Did he really? Oh, yeah. oh God. Uh, lastly, speaking of reactions, uh, people have been making fun of C.J. Henderson for crying after being picked by the Jaguars. I mean, and this is, I, I think, given the benefit of the doubt, I think he, I think it's an, an overwhelmed emotion. Oh, yeah. Cry. This is not like because the Jaguars picked him. I will say, though, because of the delay uh, of the ESPN footage of people in their homes with their families after a pick was made for whatever reason, I don't know if they hadn't like, like vetted it or approved it or if there was a lag in the broadcast time, they would announce the pick. Goodell would like sit there and show his card or some shit to the random fans on the screen he turned around he announced it and then they would show footage of the player with their family sitting in their living room before they heard about the pick like even before the phone call you know i hadn't picked up on that yet with cj henderson they cut to his family you know they look so freaking bored right (laughs) his brother was like staring off to the corner uh another family member was in the back just kind of like watching and stupor i'm like oh my god this guy's like angry he was drafted by the jaguars and i didn't figure out until much later that they were just showing footage before they knew about i mean i'm sure it was very hard to organize for them so given the circumstances though i think they did a good job bringing us the draft roger goodell though roger goodell was on coke (laughs) he was really drunk um i don't know what he was doing but he was on something. He wasn't just sober. I'll tell you that. Yeah, no, it was just it goes back to that whole psychology, man. I was like watching him like, what? CJ Hen why? Why are we draft CJ? And they show CJ Henderson's family. I'm like, man, even he's he's in shock. <laughs> he doesn't even know why we draft him. He's like, this. That's what he's saying. good to have sports back i was so hyped i even went out and threw the pigskin a couple times with a friend oh man my cannon was looking good too oh dude just miss football oh tell me tell me when you do that next time i'm gonna bring some hand sanitizer over and we can uh throw that throw that ball back and forth <laughs> we should i i got an arm man i can, I can get that thing like 50 yards ish it's pretty impressive it's very impressive. almost as yeah. far as Minshew, yeah, i think yeah, yeah. honestly yeah, sure he doesn't have a big arm that's what they would say if i was getting drafted <laughs> Not a big arm, but I have the intangible. But his hand width is uh, 9.25 <laughs> is the key. Oh, that's my favorite the thing. The key quarter inch, the hand man. That's the, that's the difference right there. When so. When does the actual schedule release? I believe it's May 9th, so eight days from now. So we'll be back after the you know schedule releases. We can talk about who we're going to beat, how we're going to go 10 and 6, and be the sixth seed in the playoffs. All that good stuff. Does the NFL season start on time? Uh, do fans come to the games? Any other bizarre scenarios you foresee? Yeah, I'm starting to feel pretty optimistic about just everything in general surrounding the virus. So the NBA has talked about coming back in July. NHL has. So things are looking good. I think I think everything's going to start on time, to be honest. I don't know about the fans part. I don't know what they'll do exactly, but just bring football back. Everyone's going to watch that shit on TV anyways. You know? It seems like if there's a, a way to get rapid results from COVID-19 tests that players would all be tested basically the day before the game. And if, obviously if they're positive, they don't play uh, and the game proceeds as, as usual uh, that they, the stadium might do what cinemas are looking at doing. Mm. Sell like in restaurants as well, sell selling like a 25% capacity. 
It's like just a quarter of the seats. Have people spread out, um, maybe two seats in between them. But that, you know, to be honest, that's not even that's not that an amazing of a scenario in terms of um, the infectious nature of the of the virus. I think it would still spread in that case. So we'll see. But I I, I do think after the TV success of the draft, um, I think the draft did a good job of really highlighting those, you know, family reactions. Stuff. I think it was pretty cool, except for like the exploitative, I mentioned this in the No Toes Down podcast, the exploitative nature in which they just focus on everyone's trauma of like overcoming drug addictions and right. poverty and homelessness yeah. and shit. Um, did, did, did not help to then cut to owner's yachts after that, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. After those TV ratings, um, I, I, would, I would assume that even if they played in like freaking – training facilities like they would still host the games at least the tv ratings would definitely kill it they do in general anyways what i mean 99 percent of people watch the games on tv i mean only a certain amount of people can be there so i think the no fans thing is the best route it's fine it makes a difference but let's do it let's just get started right we need football all right well on that note thank you for tuning in to the drunken jaguar don't forget to follow us on twitter we're at junkin Dragwar must have been drunk when we made that handle. <laughs> Personally, Bentley Brown, I'm at Weld Brown, W A L D B R O W N. And I'm at that youngest head. You'll figure out how to spell it. Thanks, guys, for joining us. We will see you soon. Go Jags. Go Jags. Go Jags.